2: hey everybody welcome to the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage before we jump into the show i want to tell you about this really awesome deal for bsn listeners if you didn't know by now total beverage is delivering beer wine and liquor anywhere in the north metro area from wheat ridge to erie for a limited time total Beverage is offering ten dollars off a fifty dollar purchase on their website and app use promo code bsn10 to save ten dollars off a fifty dollar purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door let's jump into the show Welcome into another episode of the BS on Avalanche podcast, presented by Total Beverage. I'm host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph. It is a, I imagine it's a beautiful Tuesday outside. I haven't gone outside yet, but I'm going to pretend that it's beautiful. Rudo, how's life, buddy? Life's
3: good. It is quite beautiful, at least in my neck of the woods.
2: Oh yeah, you gotten uh, you gotten take the dog out for a walk? Yeah, the dog demands walks, so I have to go outside. <laughs> What kind of dog do you have?
3: We're not actually sure. They told us he was a lab shepherd when we got him, but he weighs 75 pounds and has the markings of a Roddy, so.
2: Very cool. I know what that's like, uh, you know, when uh, Cheryl and I were living together and uh, we had Howler around. People would be like, oh, what kind of dog is he? He's like, I don't know. Yeah,
3: we're pretty sure he's he's just a
2: mutt. (laughs) Like he's like seven different types of dog. I don't remember. I can't keep them all straight. You'd have to ask her. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what kind of dog he is. He's the cute kind, okay? He's the one. Uh, he's the kind that just wants to cuddle up and love on you and be super adorable. That's all right. That's all that matters, right?
3: And yeah, my wife wants to get the like doggy DNA
2: test thing, and I'm like, why? Hey, they're all dogs, right? Like is anything gonna change with this or is <laughs> exactly. it exactly is it just about having an answer to that question? <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's weird actually. This is uh this is the first time right now in my current living situation. Uh, we have no pets in the house. Interesting. It's it's very weird, man, because I've you know, I've lived with dogs since I was fourteen, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's real strange to suddenly not have any any creatures around at all. Like don't have to worry about taking care of anything. You know, it's just the house is quiet most of the time. Except when the roommates get crazy like they were last night. I thought that someone was dying because they kept shouting <laughs> at each other, but they were just playing drinking games and watching Netflix, which good drinking games on a Monday night. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> It's an odd household uh, I I live in. But enough about that. I'm going to take a quick second here. We want to talk to you guys about Breckenridge Brewery, which is now the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American Amber Ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch Ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. Make sure that you look out for the Breckenridge event calendar, which is brand new here on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week, and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So our RSVP, and come have a good time. Enough about all that, though. Rudo, we are here to talk about some hockey. Not yep. beer, not pets. Hockey. Down to business. Yeah. We're going to take a, another scan here at the free agent market and just just wonder aloud here what if, right? Sure. What if? Because it's not I don't think it's very common um, at least not not as not to my recollection anyway. I don't know that it's very common that on July 9th the top defenseman on the market is still out there and we face that situation right now as Jake Gardner still sits on the free agent market. Yeah. What gives? I'm I'm
3: not sure there. It's a pretty stark contrast. Tyler Myers got his deal done minutes after the bell rang in Vancouver and and Gardner's still kind of just sitting here. I'm not exactly sure whether it's lack of interest or maybe teams just aren't willing to give him term, which is a a conversation I'm sure we'll get into a bit more here in a minute, Mm -hmm. but he's sitting there and some team's going to pick him up. And I think some team's going to be happy with what they get out of him.
2: I've always felt that Gardner was one of the more underrated defenders in the league in that, you know, obviously, he can move He can move the puck. He can put up some offensive numbers. Uh, he has a handful of 30-point seasons in the NHL.
3: I mean, he has a 50-point season.
2: Yeah, and yeah, he does. And it, and it does look like the outlier in his career. For sure, but the, um, the skill is there. Absolutely. And, you know, certainly playing on a, a stacked Toronto offense the last couple of years has... Absolutely yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, um, you know, production is production. And as he just turned 29 years old, so I could understand if teams out there, like you mentioned, not wanting to give him term, they're not wanting to give him seven years. I can I could totally understand that. But I'm pretty surprised that, you know, even a five year deal hasn't been done with this right. guy yet, because this is this is a solid all around player. Especially for defensemen. Teams have,
3: have never been afraid of locking up D-men into their mid-30s. Well,
2: especially mobile ones. You know, good. I mean, he has good size. He's good skater. You know, can get around and produces offensively. And he has holes in his defensive game. I'm not going to sit here and say he's an elite defender. But I don't think he's the disaster that right. Maple Leafs fans want to make him out to How- be how much of this is the bad optics of his, his big moment. Oopsies. Well, and that's, that's a big conversation around Gardner is that, you know, you can get a solid regular season out of him. You know, everybody makes mistakes, but Gardner has developed a reputation as a guy that makes the big mistake. Right. And that's, that's a real problem.
3: Yeah. if you're looking at a guy in Gardner's case, easily a top four defenseman for his career through the Leafs with the Leafs. But if it's 30 seconds left in a game seven and you're looking at your bench, you're definitely thinking twice before putting him out there now.
2: Yeah, you are. And I think that's some of the rub there is that what does he want to get paid and what kind of role is he going to have? But if you can't use him in certain situations, can you give him the the kind of money and status that you otherwise would want to give that guy? I think it's a fair question. You know, if you're putting him as a top pairing guy, uh, you maybe aren't looking at Jake Gardner and saying, this is a great idea. Right.
3: He's, if you are going after him, you need to know what he is and what he's projecting to be as, as his career continues and, I don't think that's really a top pairing guy. I think you're going to have to work around sheltering him a little bit. So you don't have to worry about it too much, but mm-hmm. like I said, he's not going to be one of those coaches guys who he just trusts to put out on the ice,
2: no matter what. Should the abs make a play for this guy?
3: I mean, in a perfect world, yes, it, you know, if they can
2: sign him to a, a
3: two-year deal at, at $6 million, absolutely. But it, it's really going to depend on more term, I think, than than dollar value.
2: And that's that's where I think it's interesting, where it becomes at least a conversation for me. You know, Gardner... E. Cole's going to be hurting until December, and coming off of double hip surgery, I have absolutely no idea what he's going to be when he gets back. Yep. Maybe he's totally fine, but if he experiences some serious decline in his physical ability, then that's not a guy that you want to be relying on. You know, the we've, we've talked a lot about the... You know what Colorado's suddenly very robust blue line, uh, in in terms of number of players. But Jay Gardner would come in and be an immediate upgrade on all those dudes, and you know you could you could put him behind a Sam Gerard. Yeah, it on the left side. You know you could put him. Wherever with Zadorov, you know, you can make those guys work. You can make those guys your second pairing if you wanted. Absolutely. Gardner
3: would fit perfectly well in the abs roster. The moves they've made going out and acquiring all these other defensemen certainly seems to indicate that that's not too likely to happen. Mm -hmm. But if it is an option on the table, I, I don't think you hold back from it because of these defensemen. As you said, Gardner is... Uh, head and shoulders better than most of these guys. And you can drop him into your lineup. And then instead of trying to work this, okay, are we going to play Rosen and Kanahton for the first two months of the season or slip Graves yeah. in there? You you lock down one more defensive spot very, very easily with Gardner and there's less questions.
2: Well, and, and it reduces, maybe even straight up eliminates the temptation of the Bowen Byram thing in year one. Because then your left side, going into the season, you know that your left side is going to be Gerard Gardner and Zadorov, and then the right side is going to be Johnson. Again, assuming, we're, we're going yeah. to assume that he's healthy by the start of the season or within the first 10 games or so. So yeah. it won't be like a significant chunk missed here. Um, but The right side would then be, you know, Johnson and McCarr. And then you'd have all those guys, you know, you'd have the Barbario, Connaughton, Rosen, Graves conversations on who would get that third pairing right side job. Right. And that's, you know, if if you really, really wanted to, to give Rosen a look, then you could do that. And you, I mean, your left side would be really solid. At that point, with Gerard Gardner and Zadorov, and just with Johnson and McCarr, you're doing just fine. Yeah, and yeah. all these rotational bodies, you know, just and and it's just those guys are going to be competing for two months, and then assuming Ian Cole comes back uh, and just takes a job, whether or not he's ready to go or healthy or whatever, we'll we'll see how that goes. But he'll come back when he's healthy. They'll give him a job. Absolutely, it's it's Cole's spot to lose when he comes back. Yeah, so you know that gives you a that gives you a really formidable top six uh, this year, anyway. You know, moving forward, you know, e- even in even in a two year deal, you'd you'd like to figure out what you have in in Rosen. Yeah, um, I don't mind like Barbarian cannot. You can just cut off the roster next season. Yeah, I'm not a bad uh, but. Deal but then you still have those three guys on your left side uh but then you would have Bowen Byram um, you know Connor Timmons Nick Molash would have another pro year it's it it starts to be very 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 full yeah it gets I mean, it's already tight
3: this year, right? With the, the acquisitions yeah. they've made. And and yes, you Jeez, do get to cut can. a few of them out, but...
2: We've been talking about four of these guys going through waivers.
3: Yeah. So, with the hope that Timmins does take some steps this year, and then obviously Byram expected to be in the NHL at the start mm-hmm. of, not this coming season, but the next, and Gardner there, that you're starting to get really, really tight. Now, on the other hand you have Nikita Zadorov on a one year deal right now. Yeah. Is that something you could look to move if you have more faith in Gardner? Maybe.
2: Yeah, that and that's an interesting you know because Z brings an element uh you know that physical element that that is not really present throughout the rest of the D. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's fair to wonder with all the warts in Zadorov's game, how valuable is it? Because we don't really know the answer to that question, uh, it's all conjecture. Some people think it's it's really really valuable. I don't I don't know. I tend to err on the side of it matters, but it's not like you have to have this to succeed. You know, you don't. I don't feel like the the presence of a a big thumper on the blue line, and that's like that's what he does. Yeah, you know. I don't know that, does does St. Louis really have a guy that does that, that they just won the cup with? I wouldn't say that. They, Outside of Chara, is there really anybody on Boston that does that? Yeah, I think the difference is there, the Avs
3: have a couple of defensemen that, even when it comes to like rubbing guys out and things like that, the physicality is just, there isn't much. It's and, lacking. Yeah, so so Z is very unique in that sense to the Avs lineup in, in not only having physicality, but having it in a massive way. But mm-hmm. you get guys like a Byram into your lineup. Maybe Timmins can do that type of thing. And once Z's abilities become less unique, not the big hitting, but just physicality in general, mm-hmm. maybe he's a little bit more expendable.
2: Well, and I do think we're gonna. I think we're gonna see a f- pretty physical player in Kale McCarr. I yeah, that's fair. I I think that you know Gerard is like a guy where it's like it's not gonna happen. Yeah. And you know, with like Johnson and Cole, it's more of effective physicality than it is just physicality for the sake of it. And a lot of times with Z, that's that's kind of what it is, right? Like it's he hits people because he can he he blows people up because he can if these other guys had the ability to do it in the same way i think they would but the way that z hits people is unique to the avs but to your point you know the more the more they develop skill around them and the ability to move pucks because that's the number 1 thing in the nhl right now on defense it's not these big hitting dudes it's not size it's not it's 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 more puck skill the ability to to get to gather pucks to to retrieve pucks which includes taking it away from the opposing team and effectively move it either via legs or stretch passes uh out of the defensive zone out of danger areas and that's an area where we see zadorov struggle with
3: yeah it's it's that give and take that we kind of always come back to with the defenseman of especially mentally zadorov's ability to blow people up teams think twice about crossing the blue line against him. Mhm. But if
2: your team has control of the puck, nobody's crossing your blue line. So Right. And and it's a you know like great when Z is on the ice, opposing teams will look to dump the puck in, but if Z is the guy retrieving it, then that 200-foot icing means they still have the puck in your zone. <laughs> right. Like, then then he's got to do something with it, and that's an area of his game that needs ironing out. Yeah. And after 300 games, it's fair to wonder how much more development does Z have left in him? For sure. It's not to say that he's he's a totally finished product, but he could be. Yeah. We don't right. know. The, we don't know how much there is left in the tank for Z there
3: yeah I, I think that's definitely fair. Um, it's it becomes a different conversation a little bit if that's something you're planning on because Gardner is a UFA at the end of his next deal. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at replacing someone directly with him, you're probably more open to him signing a bit longer.
2: What about a three year deal and then he becomes the prime he he becomes the guy that you try to shuck off onto Seattle? Yeah, I, I'm all for that. I think I think <laughs> so that's he, what I
3: had in my B-A-G-M. I
2: GM. I was pretty close to that. Play play him for two years, get two good years out of Jake Gardner, like squeeze out the end of his prime, and then kick him over to Seattle and be like here. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Go, go do your
2: go do your thing. <laughs>
3: I'm I'd be all for that. Uh like I said, I think he clearly <laughs> makes the Ev's defensive roster better. It would be interesting. I mean, it's always hard to bank on coming to an expansion draft and, and making sure a team picks a specific guy. Yeah. But if I mean perfect world, that would be great, I think.
2: I do I do wonder how much is too much on a defense. Um, yeah. You know, when with, with Gardner, it's like, okay, if he could give you 30 points again, like if that's who he's going to be, then great. 30 points with McCar, with Gerard, uh, you know, eventually with Byram, you know, even with EJ, that's fine. All those guys give you 30 points. You're going to have a really, really high scoring defense. For sure. And but. I- I guess that
3: question is there, right? If you get Gardner, is he on your second power play unit over Gerard?
2: I wouldn't do it. Um, I would keep him just because he's a really good 5v5 player. And I would let Gerard continue to try to develop in that job. Honestly, I would keep him there and let him give give him one more year of uh, trying to break out offensively. Kind of the same thing that they're going to be doing with Tyson Jost this year. All right, man, one more year to do this. One more year to to give you burn in this in these in this role. You know, with these line mates, what whatever. Uh, go out and prove it. Otherwise, we're going to move on and we're going to find other solutions. And that's perfectly fair.
3: Uh, I do think that would take away a little bit of Gardner's value, though, because he's not really going to PK for you.
0: <laughs>
2: it, sure, like I I would agree, but. Again, like this is a guy that it would be it would be a situation where you know that you're kind of cutting off some of the value in what you signed him for. Yeah, but you're still getting a really good 5v5 player sure. and and you're letting Gerard and look if if come January Gerard hasn't done anything on the power play yeah, then can then switch it. Of course, yeah, make it make a it change. It's not like you have to commit to it and write and it into the ground. Um, but I do, I would want to give precedent to Gerard and let him continue to do it because his in NHL development still matters. He still has a little ways to go. And as much as we all love the kid and think the, think the world of him, uh, that's, that's an aspect of his, that's the biggest aspect of his game. The certainly that we think that will come around that needs to is, the offense and power play points are the easier points to get. Uh, He needs to be a little more prolific in that role. And, you know, of course, in order to do so, they they need to help him out a little bit by giving him more than 20 seconds to to work. Yeah. But, you know, he be a little, be a little more explosive, uh, you know, be a little more productive and you'll get more ice time. You know, there's a, there's a, it's, always a little give and take. You can't just be yeah. handed stuff. It, it's a valid point though. Uh, acquiring a guy like Gardner, we have kind of
3: swept it under the rug a little bit to this point that it is going to affect to effects development throughout your system yeah. with all the other defensemen the abs acquired this year. We're already talking about the fact that it's going to be next to impossible for guys like Timmins and Malosh to get into the NHL this season. Mm-hmm. And it's even going to be difficult next year. If you go out and get a guy like a gardener for yeah. multiple years now, well, one really no, complicated better,
2: but <laughs> like Byron throws a big, big wrench in that because right. this year you have no problem sending Byron back to the dub for another year. That's fine. Yeah. But you're not doing it for two years. Right. He should be in the NHL
3: next the coming 2020, 2021. Yeah. And, what do you do then? Can you play Gardner on the right? Is Gardner insurance for EJ falling off a cliff? Is there's so many questions there.
2: Yeah, it would be. It would make a lot of sense for even if I mean, hey, if Gardner wanted to take a one year deal at like a high salary, sure, pay him whatever on a one year. <laughs> you know, like okay, hey, we'll give you eight million dollars for one year, and uh, you know, instead of instead of him taking a two-year deal worth 10 million somewhere else you know he can he can recoup that money and get a bigger deal next summer maybe so that's you know maybe it, at the It's the end a of the conversation day, worth having on he'd make them better and yeah. when you have an opportunity like this in free agency and when and you still have all the the money that they have to spend um, they should at least be looking into it. Um, I'm not overly enthusiastic about the idea, but I do think it's interesting and I don't know what his camp is open to. I don't know what they want, but why not? Right? Like one, one year, if he's willing to take a, especially a one year deal where that it doesn't cause any long-term issues, blockage with a Byram or anything like that, then, why not? Because he's undoubtedly an upgrade over the rest of those guys, and the point is to the point is to win games and win a Stanley Cup, right? Especially, we're nine days into free agency now, and
3: that seat starts getting pretty warm, depending on what offers he has. So, if you can come around to these type of guys and and make your team better for for a bargain, you got
2: to think about it. I do think that Gardner would be a game changing defenseman for them. <laughs> i do know for a fact that strava craft coffee is a game-changing coffee for you our listener the cbd enriched coffee has really changed lives the reviews are incredible the cbd infused coffee has also taken away long-term migraines arthritis back pain ibs it's helped decrease anxiety you name it CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off and use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. They'll bring it right to you. That does it for second, segment number one here. Jesus, I need to get out of here and take a take a break and reset. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. <sighs> Rudo, we're going to do the same exact thing as the last segment, except we're going to talk about forwards this time. The forward market certainly is a little bit more robust as uh, Jake Gardner might be the top D left out there. He's also arguably the only D out there still on the market that you really believe could make a meaningful impact on your team.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I think there's one other D under like thirty four years old or something, so <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and a lot of like third pairing, yeah. you know, seven eight guys, like 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 rotation guys. Like I've always been a uh Frederick Clayson fan. Uh I think he's like a solid rotation guy, but that's the extent of it. Like it's not a guy you wanna set and forget eighty two games, eighteen minutes a night, and don't worry about it um not at all so um <clears throat> we're going to do the same thing we're going to look at forwards even though the, again the avs pretty full at the position and certainly have more young guys that we could come up with that we could easily make an argument for calling up and having internal replacements for some of these spots but There are still some interesting names out there on the market. You know, Ryan Dezingle is unsigned. Coming off a 56-point year uh, in which he played a little bit on the top line in Ottawa and then was productive in Columbus until getting healthy scratched in the playoffs. This is a guy with positional versatility and great speed and coming off a career year where I'm a little surprised he's still sitting out there. Yeah, it's...
3: I I'm not sure. Maybe teams just thought he was going back to Columbus regardless. And, and when he didn't want to go back there, he's just kind of been sitting out there mm-hmm. and yeah, I could see, you know, maybe teams are a little bit afraid of overpaying him for a career
2: year. Yeah. But that's, that's where I think the fear is probably in is that he did have a 56 point season and, chances are you're not bringing him in to be the third banana but next to guys like Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone where he can just feed off of points right you know kind of kind of freely but even even without that you know he had 41 points two seasons ago and his Columbus production like 12 points in 21 games is is it's not you're not looking at that like Oh, that's, that's scrub territory. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about a 45 point player in Columbus. It was just the playoffs that went really poorly. Yeah. Yeah. He's still put up solid numbers
3: in, in 17, 18, he scored 23 goals as well. So he can't put the puck in the net, but it's, it's an interesting situation where is he really a top sixer and. Do teams want to shell out some some significant cash for a guy that really ends up being in your middle six? Uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: Well, and at this at this point, you'd have to believe that the ask has come
3: down. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, every day that goes by, he's thinking, okay, I need to be playing somewhere.
2: Yeah, he has no he has no job right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, I you know. That just means he gets to call himself an entrepreneur on Tinder. <laughs> um, but you know, right now he's he's looking for gainful employment from an NHL team. This is a guy that can help a lot of teams. Like this this is a guy, you know, good speed, can score goals, uh, back to back 20 goal seasons, right in the right in the heart of his prime at 27. He's not one of these guys that's 29 and turning 30 where you're like, ooh. You know, he's a legit 27 years old. These are
3: guys you give a five-year deal to and, and you don't worry
2: about any of the years on it, right? Right. So I mean, you give a four-year deal to him and you feel like you stole him. Right, exactly. It's.
3: I'm sure he will find a, a very quality landing spot. I just don't see it with the Avs. The Avs kind of... Th- made their bets and rolled the dice on Burakovsky and Donskoy. And it'd be really tough to fit to in there as
2: well without sacrificing a Jost or something like that. That's the thing is that it wouldn't be tough to find the, the job or find a role for him. It wouldn't be hard for him to just slot right in. Um, you know, as, as, you could either put him as the left wing next to McKinnon and Rantanen and you do run back the auto scenario. yeah. <laughs> uh, or you put, you could put him on the right wing next to Landeskog and Kadri. Uh You could put him on a, you know, a supersonic like third line if you wanted. Sure. Where you have, you know, you have a, a Dzingle and a Comforer and a Donskoy. Yeah.
3: He is quite, quite versatile, as far as where you could put them in your lineup, but it's it's just what you want to make your lineup work with, and and if the abs are committed to Jost, it's there just isn't the room.
2: Yeah, it's a it's who are you comfortable cutting out? Yeah, it's from the top
3: six. I I struggle to cut out. Anyone we've talked about the fact that with what they're paying Donsko, I'd like to see him get a real top six opportunity. Burakovsky obviously needs a top six chance because they went out and got him. Yeah, Kadri, two draft picks, Course man. top six. Yeah, so they have a ton of guys that they need to get top six time already. And I mean, and maybe Dzingel signs super cheap and putting him on your third line isn't that bad. And then it's a conversation, but. I don't know the value there of what he's asking.
2: So, so it's hard to say. It is. uh, It is hard to say, man, because you have so many, you've built a, a forward core with so many question marks. Yep. But like with the defense, you know that this guy would be an immediate upgrade. Yeah, for sure. That, you know, if Matt Nieto is your 13th forward and Vlad Kamenev is your 14th forward, you're pretty good. Yeah. If you drop everything and say,
3: abs are going all in to win the cup this year. These are the type of guys you should be going out and, and getting at the sacrifice of, of maybe improving some of your younger players.
2: Well, and if they were going to do that, then you should also look at Michael Furland, who's also out there.
3: Yeah. Kind of a similar situation, maybe not quite as versatile, but
2: nowhere near as proven, but uh, a mean ultra physical uh, wing with uh, 20 goals, you know, where he can, he can score goals for you, a dirty goal scorer, you know, standing around the net. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to show up on a lot of highlight real goals where he's doing something crazy but a guy that can just stand in front of the net be a big mean physical body likes to hit people likes to likes to hit to hurt.
3: yeah it I think acquiring Cadre does take a little bit away from him there but on the other hand, if you want to play a line of landis God Kadri and, and Furlands teams are gonna hate you <laughs> uh
2: yeah I, I think that's a good way to get um to get under an opposing team skin is to have those maniacs getting after it. Yeah. No one's going to want to come out on the ice against that line. So. Yeah. Well, could you, they're like, uh, no, we'll take the McKinnon rant. In it yeah. line. Like, <laughs> well, we'll take our chances <laughs> with getting embarrassed rather than just getting beat. <laughs> yeah. So it's another thing that they should definitely be
3: considering, uh, the avs have have certainly gone to the well before with with players coming out of calgary and we won't talk about the last time they got a guy from them but
2: uh, <laughs> kind of similar career numbers honestly i think furland's a little bit more proven but yeah i i think it's if there's one thing about furland i think is that that's been interesting it's i think he's gotten just a little bit overrated uh, because because it's like, oh, he'd be a great fit and he'd be this and he'd be that and it's like he has two 40-point seasons under his belt and that's it.
3: Yeah, you definitely have to ask about the upside there, right? Are, are you yeah. really looking at more of a middle six guy probably?
2: D- d- I think definitely so. Like if you're not getting Michael Furland and saying we're going to get 50 points out of him, you're getting him and you're saying we hope we're going to get uh 20 goals, we're going to get we hope 20 assists and we're going to get a lot of punched faces, yeah. a lot of a lot of big hits. Um you know, a lot of a lot of extra intangible there a lot of extra toughness a lot of we're not going to get pushed around a lot more of a sandpaper type of attitude for sure it's and if you go out and get michael
3: ferland i guess why ferland and belmar on the same lineup just doesn't add up to (laughs) me
0: (laughs) Well, and we I,
2: know that they've talked to they they were talking to Furland on July first. They've been talking and talking, and I think it it's continually coming down to the same problem. Term, yeah. The right. abs the abs are trying to keep their flexibility here, and players, and it's totally understandable that players feel this way, but players aren't interested. Players want security. Absolutely, especially for these
3: two, Furlan and Dezingle, who are 27. You want to be getting paid what you're worth for the prime of your career because it only comes once, you know?
2: Right. Like, I mean, it's I get I get why Furlan's holding out for a longer deal. I get why Dezingle coming off a career year at 27 years old uh, with a couple of 40 point years under his belt and an upward trajectory in his career. I completely understand why DeZingle's like, are you kidding me? You're gonna talk to me like I'm a third liner? Like, no, I'm I'm holding out for, for something legit here. So I can get that, but you know, from the abs perspective, this is gonna be one of their last opportunities to weaponize cap space in more than a in in, in a creative fashion. These are guys that they could talk you could, again, with the Zingle, you could wildly overpay a guy like that. Give him eight million dollars. So you gotta turn that down. A one-year $8 million deal just for funsies? Yeah, that's... I mean, it's such an outrageous deal that you don't have to worry about it breaking the market the same way that Kevin LeBanks' RFA contract for <laughs> one year $1 million yesterday isn't going to suddenly get a whole rash of, of um, productive RFAs signing for a million or a million five or whatever. Ryan Dezingle, you give him a crazy one-year deal for $8 million to come in and like, okay, hey, come in and do your thing. Now I think it makes less sense with Dezingle than it would a guy like Gardner because there isn't an obvious, you know, he's not such an obvious and proven upgrade that you drop him with Gardner, you drop him into a top four and you know he's going to be good for you. With Dezingle, you're talking about a middle six player that you're trying to find a spot for in a lineup where you only have, I would say maybe five certainties in the forward lineup. A lot and of that's guys. are trying to find a spot. Your her. top line, Kadri and Belmar are the guys where you're like, we are pretty comfortable. We know where these guys are going to play for sure. Everybody else is trying to fit into that puzzle.
3: Yeah, it's the Avs are in a position with that cap space where. Yeah, there's a lot to think about Yes. You could sign a Michael Ferland for one year for, million and and try to go win a cup with a way overpaid middle sixer. You could also try and gain assets by doing something like taking on a David Clarkson contract. There are, there are different ways to go about using that cap space. And if it is term that, that they're struggling with, it makes sense that they don't want to commit to anything over four or five years
2: well if you do go back to the clarkson thing then you're you're reopening the goosef conversation absolutely that's that's the interest there it's yeah. not oh hey give us the second round pick because we traded ours away to washington and we'll take the clarkson contract alone it's give us goosef too sure you, absolutely
3: goosef you know, the 4 million the more, over
2: 2 years or whatever he's asking right like the the more that i look at this it's like you guys don't want to give out term Give this guy t- two years to prove it. Yeah. And if you get a, if you get an absolute stud on your hands, if you get Panarin 2.0, then you make up for the fact that you lost out on the OG Panarin in free agency. But I, I mean, what's the price? We don't know what the I don't know what Vegas is asking, so it's hard for me to be like, just give them whatever they want. But really, it can't be that exorbitant. They don't really have any ground to, to, to stand on here. Right. Everybody so,
3: knows Gusev doesn't want to be there
2: and they
0: can't well, pay him. So Right.
2: They can't, they can't even come close to paying him. So it's like, look, we don't need to, we, you know, we don't need any, any nonsense here. The, the more, the more I've thought about this, the more I've been like, just go get just go get Gusev. I understand he just dropped into this lineup and you have all these problems that we've talked about with the Zingle and Furland where, where does he fit? Where does he play? but the upside is there the upside is is significant enough to justify just just give it a whirl see how it goes and yeah. give him the 2 year deal worth 4 million and if it doesn't work out then it won't it doesn't work out how how often have we seen it where if it doesn't work out with a russian guy both sides terminate and he goes back to the khl gets an elite khl player contract which is right around 4 million dollars a year these days anyway and everybody just moves on. The NHL team doesn't get burned, and he gets to go on with his life. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's a pretty easy safety valve there. Uh, again,
3: we're we're skirting the idea of if you go get a goosev, how much harder does it become for guys like a Martin Cout to get in the lineup? Yeah, but
2: it makes well, you, you go better getting... in the
3: immediate. It makes you better in the immediate.
2: Well, yeah. And, and like, does Zingle and Furlan make you better in the immediate? But it's fair to wonder how much better they would be long-term if they'd given that job to Cowd and he gets to develop and all that. With Gusev, it's different because Gusev, we're talking about, this could be a high-end player. Yeah, right. It's There's enough upside there that you say, well,
3: I mean, if he hits, it's a it's a home run here that the other guys wouldn't be.
2: Absolutely man And that's where <sighs> I'm I'm all for If they're not going to be done doing business And they would like to keep adding I would go for Gusev I, I think it makes sense I think it's just a great fit YOLO, Yahtzee, get down on it Whatever I just think it's great
0: Yeah
3: I I kind of hope that they're done To be honest but, I would also be fine with that, just because they've done so much work as it is. That it's right? Like, do we need more questions? I don't know, but Gusev would be one that you're at least hoping for a lot out of for sure.
2: I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do the the. I'm more interested in in trading for Gusev than giving money to Dzingel or Furland. though. If they decide to do that, I I wouldn't hate that either. Yeah, it, I mean, you can make all of them work.
3: But if they came back with we signed DeZingle to six years and it's not like Tanev money, then <laughs>
2: I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough. Like if they gave if they gave up term, I wouldn't I wouldn't like it. Right, exactly. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming, of course, it's not like you said, like, uh, like, oh, here, here's two and a half million dollars for six years. You know, right. Like, and, okay. Right. <laughs> NHL has lost its mind and everyone's signing for nothing. Yeah. Right. Where the players are just like, we don't need to make a living anymore. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and uh, let's take our second break here. And in doing so, I'm going to tell you guys about the green solution which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That closes the book on segment number two here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. Welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Oh, my gosh. I am not having a great day right now. <laughs> you know who is having a great day, Rudo Jared Bettner.
3: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> After the announcement.
2: <laughs> Yeah, uh it has been announced by the Avalanche that Jared Bednar has signed a 2-year extension with the uh with the organization, meaning his contract runs through 2022. If he uh as you as you pointed out on Twitter, if he sees this contract through, he'll be the longest tenured Avs coach ever. Yeah, it
3: it wouldn't even be that close. I, no coach has ever lasted more than four years, or I guess maybe one lasted four and a half. But this would be six full years of of him coaching the ABS, so he would be far and away the the longest time ABS coach. Which is, I wasn't sure what Bednar was going to be when he first joined the ABS. I don't think anybody was, and and oh, yeah. things have turned out pretty
2: solid. You know he's imperfect, like all coaches. Of course, but I feel like it's hard to uh, hard to argue with the results. He's taken them further than anybody else has, yeah, in it, a decade. Right. It's especially compared to to some of
3: the dark ages with guys like Joe Sacco and and things like that. It's not even close, is
2: it? Yeah. The. It's the Jared Bednar era is tough to describe. Uh, I'm actually writing an article on it today. <laughs> so fun that this came out today. Um, what I mean, an awful start. Yeah, that's I couldn't possibly start any worse, could you? <laughs> and I think it's it's gonna take him a while to uh uh dig himself out of that hole that he had uh for that first season. Absolutely. He, he just got extended two
3: years and he's still not even a 500 coach in his yeah. career.
2: 474. So right now. And that's after seasons in which it was and that's a I'm sorry, that's a points percentage, not a win percentage. But I mean, same thing, basically. Points, yeah. Points percentage. Um, <laughs> in his first year, <laughs> twenty nine point three. Yikes! The last two years, fifty seven point nine and fifty four point nine, and for a career average of forty seven point four. That's how awful the first year was. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the going from 48 points to 95 and 90 is certainly interesting. Um he lost 56 games in regulation his first year. He's lost 60 combined over the last two. Yeah, it's a different
3: world for sure. Um it it, it is interesting. I really what really sells me on this deal was the playoffs this past season. Yeah. I for the Same. first time In Bednar's career with the abs, I felt like he really did a quality job of working matchups and creating game plans based off of his opponents, not only across the whole series, but within games. He was able to make adjustments that were good, and and that was something I had been asking for out of him from the start, and we finally saw it to, to a high level there.
2: The work that he did against Bill Peters against Calgary, yeah, um, Bill Peters is probably still curled up in the fetal position, wondering <laughs> what, what in the world just happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. I mean, if because if you go back and you look at that series, and if it's not my, for Mike Smith playing out of yeah. his mind in a couple of games, they smoked them. The abs, the abs were housing the Flames in every regard except the scoreboard, which obviously. That's what matters. I get it. But. Woo. Right. It, like. The, one they, game the shots were like 48
3: to 16 or something like. They had in one of the games, they had 56 shots on goal. Yeah. They just, they dominated puck position. They dominated the pace of play. They completely shut down players like Johnny Gaudreau. It, Calgary was just floundering in front of Mike Smith and and Mike Smith almost dragged them to wins anyway, but, but Bednar just dominated that game plan.
2: His work in the second round against San Jose, I thought was pretty impressive too, because that was a stylistic nightmare for the Avs. Yeah. And we watched the push and pull throughout that entire series it was a battle of wills between two teams that wanted to, to to play different ways and had two very different uh means of getting there. And instead of watching his his younger squad, you know, collapse and and kind of fold over and, and give in to the sharks, they yeah. they didn't. Um they pushed back and a lot of that, you know, certainly credit to the players, obviously. But the coaching staff has a lot to do with that for sure and the now
3: infamous teal picket fence <laughs> oh my God in game one just completely dragged the avalanche down and and they came back in game two like a brand new team that just completely tore the fence apart and then then it went back and forth for the whole series like you said
2: yeah it was whichever whichever team kind of succeeded in its goals the most uh was the one that won the game on that on any given night and you know the Avs. Uh, I think the Avs learned a lot from that Sharks series. Uh, the way that they approached their their summer, I they understood we need to get deeper. We need yep. to get we need to get tougher to play against. We need to get deeper. We need to get a little more physical. We need to get more well rounded. We do what we do really well, and we're going to keep doing that. We're not going anywhere, but we need to round out the rest of this roster. I- And I think it's no accident. You look at that series. and I think it's no accident that, you know, losing a Matt Calvert really, really hurt. And they were like, we're not going to be, they don't want to be in a position where losing Matt Calvert in a playoff series is a a significant loss for them. For sure. I'm really interested to see
3: what, what Bednar can do with, with more depth here, because at the end of the day, in those playoff series, when it came down to crunch time, Bednar's options were pretty much play the big three, and that was it. He, he didn't have the versatility in his lineup to really get into that heavy mixing and matching, and now maybe
2: he does. It's going to be an interesting test because, you know, with he's going to have he's going to have a different kind of roster than he's had in his time yeah. in the NHL so far. His fourth year will be his third different style of team that he will be given by the front office. Does you know, it just the, awful count as a style? It does. <laughs> uh, historically inept is is certainly uh, the first team that he was given yeah. and then uh, not that, not that he played no role in that, obviously. No, yeah. There's lots of blame in that, and I'm not absolving any of these guys of that. It's, uh, But those who have stayed and those who have produced get credit for that as well. And he's gotten by with, with success uh, the same way the last couple of years. Uh, leaned on goaltending when he had to and riding a top line, an elite top line, as hard as he absolutely could. Um We'll see how he adjusts to a new look ABS uh, this next season, but I think this extension—it's solid, it's fine. Uh, I've always been, I guess, a Jared Bednar defender because I never, I never really felt like uh, the 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 time to fire him was now. But our Stan, just admit it. I, I mean, I sure, like I'm. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm always, I'm always, you know, I, I always tell them, like, I, I call it like I see it. Whether I like a guy or don't like a guy, like, it doesn't matter. You know, if, right. if something's not working, something's not working. Tyson Jost is one of my favorite players to talk to in the locker room, but I've criticized that guy when I felt he deserved to be criticized. I've 100%. also, you know, he's he's come up short in his time uh, in in two years in, in breaking out and proving that the Avs need to give him – a longer look or whatever, and I've said that repeatedly. So I'm not I'm not the Jared Bedner fanboy that some people paint me out to be, but I do think he's a very, very smart head coach. I think he's a solid head coach. Um the big thing that, that I see that that I you know and that I can I can attest to just in having the conversations that I've had with players is that he's a great communicator. He talks to him. There isn't a separation. There's not a wall there. Uh, he leans on his leadership group to let him know when something's wrong. And when something's wrong, he addresses it. They work to fix it. Uh, he doesn't waste time trying to make himself feel better. You know, going on and doing um, uh, things like bag skates after tough losses. He talked about it last year. He doesn't want to do stuff like that because that's about making him feeling better. And not about putting the team in the best position to win. What do, what do his players get out of that, out of, out of the bag skate that prepares them better prepares them for the next game. uh, If, if he just runs them into the ground at practice today, that day, simply because he's mad about the night before he is very much a turn the page kind of guy. What's happened has happened. And we just have to deal with that and move forward. Um, there it's, it's a, it's a no, no excuses mentality. We, we have our own road to pave ahead of us and we'll deal with that when we get there. And there are going to be a lot of breaks along the way. Some are going to go our way and some are not. And he just adopts the mentality of you just keep moving forward. You just don't stop. Uh, you don't stop working. You don't stop trying to get better and you don't make excuses. You don't point fingers. You you look inward and say what can I do to get better? And I think it's an infectious attitude and the leadership group has bought in and that trickles down to the less to the rest of the locker room. Although I will be interested to see how with so many moving parts this upcoming season, how it all meshes together.
3: Yeah, it's it's certainly going to be a change. He's looking at playing a top 6 where the oldest player is going to be Kadri at 28. And in the previous three years, he's always had a couple of veterans that he's loved to fall back on. We mm-hmm. did see him move away from that a little bit in the playoffs because Soderberg was struggling so badly. Yeah. But it's going to be a new situation to see who become his guys, who are the guys that he's going to rely on this year and, and is willing to put out there in any situation.
2: And it's every year it's kind of been a different group. Yeah. You know, it, it, it rotates, it changes up a little bit, you know, based on personnel. You know, obviously people are frustrated with the Gabe Bork stuff, but that's really, uh, considering all the things that go into a coach's decisions and all the, playing that guy for six minutes a night was really, really small potatoes. And that on its own, certainly nowhere near enough uh, to to justify removing him from his position.
3: Right, it As much as we love to complain about how much better the fourth line could be, it's still a fourth line, right? It, it how much impact is it really going to have? Yeah, it'll have a little, but not a ton.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of different factors that would go into there being a uh a good you know, a quality fourth line and, you know, upgrading from Gabe Borks certainly is one of them.
3: Yeah. It, it's not hard to improve that, but if you're, you know, spending lots and lots of time trying to eke a little bit extra out of your fourth line, you know, maybe you're better off spending that making your top line better, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. But I think it will help. Um, they've they've made a lot of changes i think it's going to be interesting um uh, looking forward to it man i think it's going to be a fun year and i'm curious to see you know jared bedner is going to be a year to year how is he handling the team and how is the team responding to him yeah it
3: you have to think he'll be pretty comfortable too. I mean, this is the most job security he's probably ever had with, with three years left.
2: Yeah, three years left on a on a deal going into his fourth year uh already in a place. It's interesting stuff. I think it's it's funny how we got here too, because had you said at the at the day he was hired that in his first three years the Evs would miss the playoffs and then make the playoffs twice, we would have all signed up for that. Yeah, absolutely. And been like, all right, great. That means they're moving in the right direction. And then after the forty eight point season, there was already a lot of call for that dude to get fired. Yeah. And you couldn't blame anybody for that. <laughs> the there were
3: a lot of uh a lot of necks and nooses that off season, weren't there? <laughs> I,
2: yeah. I, I'm glad I'm glad that's over. Um, yeah me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thrilled that's done with. Um okay, let's go ahead and get out of here for the day. I think that's I think that wraps up more or less what we had to talk about for the day. Um any any final thoughts on any of this? Uh it it'll be interesting. The avs
3: have a little bit more work to do to solidify their core, but mm-hmm. they certainly seem to Think Bednar is the guy to to lead the charge for him, and and I like that some solidity to to the lineup that we've talked so much about. The question marks there still is the Bednar, the McKinnon, the Gog, the Rantanen.
2: A lot of uh, a lot of work to be done, and hey, a lot of work to be done for this front office this summer. They've got some contracts to sign. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll keep you guys up to date when those continue to roll in. We are now into the doldrums of summer. Um, what we will be doing, we'll see, but I can promise you, we'll be here. Going to the
3: Rockies watch parties tonight, anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, going to the Rockies watch party tonight. If any of you guys listened to the show before that happens, five thirty at Blake Street Tavern. We're excited about it; should be a good time. Um, would love to see you guys down there giving away dugout tickets um not tickets to the dugout but tickets right behind the rockies dugout um that, that would actually those would be insane if you could like chill in the dugout uh anyway we're gonna we're out of here for the day this is the psn avalanche podcast presented by total beverage we will see you later
0: If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Mo's Original Barbecue a try.
1: My favorite thing about Mo's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house made smoked meats, cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.